Hello and welcome to JazzNet Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans and where the content is absolutely free. You'll join us tonight um, on our flagship show. Uh, it's an international break, but um, not to worry. We're, uh, you can sit back and relax and for the next hour as we recap. Um, Rangers involvement in international football this week, uh, as well as our players and the games of the season. We're going to go through a little recap tonight um, and look at some of the finest moments and finest finest players uh, of our, our, our great season so far. Um, joining me, David Wren, your host tonight, uh, for a glorious look back on uh, the season so far before the return of the Scottish Cup uh, next weekend and um, then the post-split action thereafter. Uh, Ross Bennett and Stuart Weir. Ross, I know you have your um, your kilt on tonight, paid-up member of the Tartan Army. You know, when you move away from Scotland, you then become super Scottish, so... Uh, what are current events in Israel? Still one each? Still one each. Uh, about two, just less than two minutes to go in, in, in added time. One each written all over it, I think. But um, fully paid up, I don't know if I'm a fully paid up member of the Tartan Army. I've never, other than a game at Wembley, I've never gone to an away game for Scotland. I've only been to about two or three home games. So fully paid up? No, I don't think so. Um Casual interested observer, probably more more accurate. I've not got my kilt on, but um, I won't tip the laptop screen that low to show you what I have got on. Thanks very much. I would actually agree with you. I I, um, I don't mind. I quite like watching Scotland, like see them do well, but it doesn't affect my mood. You know, the way ah, exactly. exactly. If Rangers lose, I'm, I'm in a film mood for a long, a long while, a good good couple of days. Whereas Scotland lose, you sort of just go over it quite quite quickly. Yeah. Um, but Stuart, you, you'd have been ha- a happier man on Friday night, Scotland rugby team doing the business. No, a fantastic performance by Scotland on Friday night in, in, in Paris. Um, I noticed all the headlines were saying, you know, party like it's 1999, which was the last time that Scotland had won there. But I have to, I, I corrected a few people by saying if you really wanted the party to go to, it was the one in 1995 when they hadn't won in Paris for 26 years. And you can imagine the, the sort of like, 26 years of players who were there all wishing to partake in certain uh, libations uh, and various drinks and concoction, uh, concoctions. In fact, I almost missed my flight and I had never been to bed. That's how, <laughs> that's how crazy it got. But no, it was it was fantastic, uh, fantastic game. And of course, our Welsh friends and colleagues, they're over the moon because they've, they've suddenly been given a title Although that's us just repaying them back for 1999 and maybe England, of course, and gave us the, the Five Nations. Yeah, um, it's been it's been a quiet week, Rangers-wise, Ross. Um, but international football-wise, it's been a pretty successful week for our players. Um, you know, Stephen Davis, who we'll, who we'll come on to in a, in a bit in more detail about what he's given us this season. But, you know, uh, becoming the joint capped, highest capped British player alongside um, Peter Shelton, which fantastic effort, you know, 125 caps. Yanis Hadji getting his first Romania goal, lovely finish it was too. Um, Leon Balogun, Joe Aribo involved for Nigeria. Uh, Glenn Kamara, you know, we saw, we saw the fantastic support his teammates gave him um, ahead of the game on, on Friday night. And uh, Philip Hollander, who's playing at the moment for Sweden, and uh, Borna Barisic, who was in a, a 1-0 victory last night. It's, I mean, it's it's quite impressive just how many players we actually have performing, not only, you know, on the international stage, but especially when you look at Hollander and Barisic performing for, for pretty good sides. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's it, it's a real marker as to where Rangers have been and, and, and how well we've done to come back from that. When you think three or four years ago, you'd look at when it was international break, Rangers on the website would do their wee sort of international roundup and it was about 40 words because we had maybe one player um, on international duty from the first team and then a couple of youngsters and they'd have to kind of beef it up with like 16-year-old Ross McCrory was captain for the Scotland under-18s. Um, but so now to be in a position, like you say, it's, it's not like we're sending players, okay, we one or two in the Scotland squad with Ryan Jack and John McLaughlin, um, Stephen Davis, obviously, for Northern Ireland, but top top quality international sides, um, you know, the starting fullback for Croatia, who will have a very, very strong World Cup next year, I'm, I'm sure. Um, Sweden as well, Holland are doing well for them. Even, you know, you go to Africa, Nigeria must be one of the, the more fancied sides in Africa at the moment. And, uh, you know, you and me, David, similar age, growing up with some some excellent players from Nigeria to, to look back on. So happy to see them do well and... and um, yeah, it's 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 just a really good marker of where Rangers is as a, as a club now that you're you're talking about what, ten first team players going away on international duty, something like that. So it's that we don't seem to have suffered any injuries because of it, which is always going to be the primary concern. Um, we'll, we'll make sure that that's the case in a couple of days' time. Very pleased for Yanis to get his first goal for Romania. Took that nicely, and um, that'll do a lot for his confidence because we know we know he's a confidence player. Um, yeah, very very encouraging international break. Yeah, Stuart Ross picked up on on Yanis Hadji there. You know he he had a, he had an interesting start to the season. He sort of struggled for for form, was sort of bombed out of the team in a starting slot for a, for a few months there, and then sort of came into came on again towards Christmas time. Beyond that, he's been he's been great for us. So it's it's interesting now to see that come to fruition internationally because he was obviously part of under twenty one teams in the past. But you know to get his first goal, it shows just how good a season he's having. Yeah, I mean, you say that about him in terms of how he started the season and how he came good. I, I mean, in general, most players play in fits and starts. You know, you have maybe have a good start to the season and tail off a wee bit or you have a good finish. It's very difficult, especially I would say nowadays, to play at a consistent level right through the entire season. If, if you look at Rangers, you could, you could say, you know, different players have had spells where they have been key to the team and then maybe going off the boil a wee bit. I don't think there's anybody you can point to other than probably McGregor, but even Alan McGregor didn't play at the start of the season. He almost like was gently eased in until such time that John McLaughlin had a slight off day and then it was like, you're in and we're never, you know, you're never leaving us again. Um, so I, I, I think as far as that goes, I think Hadji has, has come good. The other thing you have to understand with the players is that their own self-esteem will grow given how they're doing domestically. You know, there are some players who are born to be international players and will give you 7 and 8 out of 10 every time they put on an international shirt. Then they come back to the club and you say, why can't you do it here or why can't you do it there? Why do you ever play for your country? I think, however, like somebody like Hadji, who's young and impressionable, I think you could see his confidence growing because he's part of something that he's never experienced before, which is a, a winning team and a successful team. And I think... You know, if you if you listen to some of the things that are said and you speak to different people, 
what is coming through at Rangers this season is there's a whole bunch of guys who might have experienced things like this or, or are more experienced players, the likes of Davis, the likes of McGregor. You know, if you look at Gerrard and Gary McAllister, they will have experienced these kind of things as well. And I think what, what they're saying is lap it up, enjoy the moment and, and use that as an energy to take your you know, propel yourself forward, either career-wise or in terms of your performances. And I, and I, and I think, I think Rangers and the individuals in the team are in a really, really good place just now. Yeah, and Ross, another thing I want to touch on about this weekend, especially in <clears throat> the season as a whole. You know, and it's it's we're, we're seeing it a lot more now that the the leagues one and two are back. But you know, there's a lot of Rangers players, young guys out there that are. Um, performing for teams like Partick Thistle and, and um, Queen of the South, Wraith Rovers, you know, there's a lot of boys out in loan that are, that are doing some great things. Really, we spoke about this earlier, but a really, really nice clip uh, from a couple of Partick Thistle fans on Twitter of um, their first goal yesterday, and it all came from a fantastic save from from the young boy Kieran Wright, who's on loan from from Rangers. Um, but there's there's a lot of players out getting good game time for for teams and actually decent football and sides like Partick Thistle and Wraith Rovers, and that that can only be a positive thing for us moving forward too. Yeah, so in, in terms of that save from from right, um, probably no one better to learn from in how to pull off a, a physics defying wonder save than Alan McGregor. He's done that so many times over the years, but is I, I think. We've spoken on this show over the last couple of years about how the, the academy at Rangers hasn't really produced enough players, and um, you know, as in players going on to make the first team. And we've sent a lot of players out on loan over the last few years, and, and none of them really have made an impact, with the exception of Patterson. And we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with Patterson because over the last couple of years, we've had McCrory and we've had Middleton who threatened to break through and, and then fell away a bit. So I've actually been quite critical. Of, of the academy at times of, on this show. Um, but no, I mean, there are promising young players at, at Rangers um, and I think sending them out, it's clearly a strategy from, from the, the management team is send them out, get them men's football. Um, Stephen Kelly, for example, getting really good write-ups at Ross County and I know there's a lot of potential, a lot of promise there and, and hope that he'll be the next one to, to break through because I, I think we have to hope that getting them First team football at um, appropriately leveled clubs is is the best way to try and forge that pathway into the first team. Um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see because we can send them players out on loan for a number of years now. I've not really reaped the benefits of that, so um, it's better than keeping them at keeping them at the the, uh, the Rangers training centre and, and playing under nineteen games every week. I'd much rather see them out learning their trade. Um, and I absolutely wonderful save from from right at Partick. I also think Ross that there's a, an element of the fact that Rangers have loaned players out in the in the past, but it's almost as if teams have been looking for bodies, and Rangers have got plenty of bodies, and will have one of theirs, and Rangers have been happy to let them go. Whereas I think now those that are actually looking to loan players um, from Rangers, it's almost like a, a, a two way street. It's benefiting Rangers because their players getting actually getting out there and actually playing games. But it's also benefiting the clubs because I would say the standard of player that's going out there is a better player than what they've maybe you know had to to pick from or utilise in the past. So I think all in all, 
that it, it, it's working for a number of clubs. And again, it's dependent on where Rangers want to send them. I know there's one or two clubs who have been a bit cheesed off that they haven't managed to to secure loan deals from Rangers. But I think Rangers have looked at it and said, that's not the kind of football we want our guys to be playing. And therefore, they'll only go to clubs. I'm not saying they're a mirror image of how Rangers play the game, but there are certain principles that the other teams play to that's... The, 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 the Rangers coaching staff the Rangers management are quite happy to let these guys go and play in that environment rather than some teams that you see I, I think I think that's a, a really good point and that's probably um, you know I know they've had a bit of a shake up in the roles that the, the senior staff are playing at the academy um, uh, and I think that that will probably be is it Billy Kirkwood that does that role kind of the development of those players as they go out on loan but if I was if I was a 17, 18, 19 year old I'm not far off. But if I was at, um, at the academy as a player and I'm, I'm at that stage in my career, I would be looking at this and thinking the chances of me actually breaking into the Rangers first team in the next couple of years are fairly slim because I mean, look at the calibre of players that we've got. I mean, we've just spoken about the number that are out on, on international duty. We're a, we're a top-class European side and it's not easy to break into that. So if I was a, a young player, I would want to go on loan. I would want to go to the highest level that I can, whether that be playing at Ross County in the you know the top tier in Scotland and 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 being a starting player there who who is doing very well, but I always like seeing the players that choose to go down to England. And if you look at, you know, Glenn Middleton went to Bradford, um, Greg Doherty went to Shrewsbury, I think went yeah. on to Shrewsbury last year, um, and it's not worked out for him at Rangers. But being down there on loan, that's given him the exposure to be picked up by Hull, and he's now a starting you know very very important player at Hull. So. It benefits everyone. It benefits us as the loaning club. It benefits the the loanee club, and it benefits the player as well because if they're not going to make it with us, at least they've got the exposure to kick on and um, and try and get a permanent move somewhere. It's funny you say that. Not to 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 hog this um, these couple of minutes, but looking at old Rangers photographs and looking at teams from the late nineteen sixties into the seventies, even into the eighties, and going through the squads where there were guys at Ibrooks for that period of time who were constantly and permanently reserves they did nothing else than play for the reserves and you go right through names and you see names here and how it continues for about eight, nine, ten seasons and then all of a sudden they disappear and might go to Falkirk but primarily Rangers held on to players and used them as you know used them as backup although they weren't back up, you didn't have the same squad rotation and all the rest of it. So as a result, there were guys almost ready for having testimonials based on just being at Ibrooks and, and, and good attendance rather than good performances. And I think that that whole thing is something that has has changed markedly over the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're speaking about stars of the future there, but kind of next segment I want to go into is stars of the present and um, this has been something that's been that's been spoken about quite a lot I think um, maybe in a maybe in a Scotland sense in terms of the entire country in the, in the league but you know it's quite difficult this season because I, I can't remember a, a season where there were so many um, candidates for players of the year and we pretty much are going to hog all the nominations I think um, so I I'm not, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but 
I thought we would go through the main candidates and we'll discuss their, their merits and, and whether they are the ones, but it could just turn into the same. You want us to do the uh, nominations job for the football writers and the, the players playing exactly. the year award. Uh, uh, exactly. But no, I, it's quite difficult because we're looking at... Now, I, I, I'll, I'll list the, the players in order of how I think they might be <laughs> if I was doing bookies odds now and then after we've discussed them we'll go on to maybe people that have got an outside chance um, or, or honourable mentions for others that have performed really well so for me I think that I think the favourite still James Tavernier even though he's been out injured I think I would be start, I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't get the nod in, in a national sense I think PFA awards I would, I would back him but if we're looking at solely Rangers awards I would say James Tavernier. I would actually say second for me, just going in popular opinion, probably Alan McGregor. Third, Stephen Davis. Close third, actually. Connor Goldson and Ryan Kent would be the five, I would say. Now, feel free to disagree with me, but we'll go and we'll go through them first and then we can all take our own pick. And whether we agree or not, it doesn't matter. But we'll go through um we'll go through the, the nominees. Now, James Tavernier. Ross, I'm sure you'll get the stats to hand because I don't. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, Tav's, Tav's a player for me. I, I look at him as someone <laughs> I look at him as someone who just sums up the sort of journey from, from 2015 to now. I think he's been there with us through all the all the highs and lows and, and many lows that, that have been there. And he's turned in performances this season. They've almost summed up his time here as well because he has been unbelievable going forward, but he's also very, very few, but there's been a couple of occasions where there's been defensive lapses as well, but I think the attack and play, and actually, you know, to be fair to him, his defensive play has, has really improved as a solid unit in the team, um, as part of a solid unit, sorry. So he would be the front runner, but, but let's just have a quick, we'll, we'll quickly discuss him, his, his performances this season. I think he, he started the season incredibly strongly and it set the tone for, for what was going to come for Rangers. I mean, you say you want stats, I've just Googled SPL stats. Uh, I can tell you that he scored 0.38 goals every 90 minutes, uh, 25% goal conversion, 50% shot accuracy. Sounds very good. Um, I think it, we know that Tavernier is going to rack up stats in terms of numbers of goals and assists because of the role that firstly takes the penalties. Um, but secondly, the role that he plays as the modern 21st century fullback, he's, he's, I mean, is he top of the assist chart? He is, right? Nine assists in, in 29 games, joint top of the assist chart with Yanis Hadji. Um, so he's he's going to get good numbers because of the role that he plays, uh, and, and that's fine. But you can see the difference in Tavernier this season. Now, firstly, the criticism about him was always the defensive lapses. I'm struggling to think of any defensive lapses this season. Um Certainly can't think of any that have, that have really cost us in any game. Um, and I don't think you can level the criticism of that guy cannot defend a defender and the captain of a club that's conceded, what, two goals at home all season, eight or nine goals in total in the league or something. So that, that to me, has... Um, I think he was always a little bit of a confidence player defensively. And... He's got confidence now, and, and he's you know he's been injured for four or five weeks, and that's a that's a shame because um, he said it himself in in his interview after we 
sealed 55. You know, the word to use with a roller coaster to describe this is time at Rangers. And it's absolutely true. I mean, the highest of highs at Rangers um, from, from winning 55 to uh, the getting through beating Celtic in the Scottish Cup semi-finals three or four years ago. Um, but then some very, very low times as well. Mother will play off. Um, no, sorry, he wasn't here for the Mother will play off. What am I talking about? Uh, but we've had some some shocking performances, and you know, right, Celtic in the in the um, League Cup final this, uh, last year, getting hosed off them five nil five one. He's been through really difficult stuff at, at Ibrox, and and have quite publicly people questioning whether he's up for it and whether he's good enough. He quite plainly is good enough, and I think um, this season he's shown the the value that he has. It's it's. It's a shame for him because you look back at his career stats, you look at his Wikipedia page, and it's one of those where the box on the right-hand side of his history of clubs is just loan after loan after loan, moved around all over the place, and he never really settled. Well, it's taken him a while, but he settled at Rangers. I know he's got his family up in Scotland. He's um, he's, he, he's been there a good five seasons, six seasons now. Um, so he's settled, he's found his place, he's found a club that he'll probably ride out the next two or three years before moving back down south to retire, I'd have thought. Um, and he's, I think, quite magnificently led the club this season. Shame that he's been uh, injured for the time that we clinch it, but he'll, he'll no doubt be back on the pitch for the Aberdeen team and lift the trophy and no one else deserves it more. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really harsh that you're, you're trying to blame him for the Motherwell playoff defeat uh, as well as everything else. But, you know, but a, but a selective history there. But um, he has been fantastic. Now, I'm going to try and we'll go through these uh, one by one um, because I don't want to spend too much time on one person. But okay. Stuart, you... I mentioned Tavernier. Very quickly, I'll, 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 I'll say two things. One, I think because of his longevity at Rangers, it's quite easy for people to pick up on what he did previously and point the finger and say, you were at fault for these things. So if anything does happen... He is the fickle finger of fate points at him again. And don't get me wrong, there are times where the criticism is deserved. What I do think, however, is that there's other members of the team suddenly realise what he gives to Rangers. And therefore, if he's bombing down the right and creating and taking chances, he cannot be defending as well. And I think where Rangers have smartened up, especially this season, is that if he goes down one side, and it equally applies to Barisic can do on the other side. If they go down the sides, then everybody has to shuffle across one or come back inside. So effectively, you play with maybe a three at the back or sometimes even a two at the back, but you still have to defend the space. And I think Tavernier, that having somebody at his back has made him a far more comfortable and confident player because of that. Whereas before, he was trying to run the length of the pitch in one direction and then running all the way back again. And and that's an impossibility. Yep, agreed. Um, the second player I mentioned, and Stuart, I want to ask you about this because over the past few weeks, I think especially since that save um, in Prague, Alan McGregor has, has had some raved reviews, people saying he should be played this season. Now, I think I've just been numbed to Alan McGregor, his brilliance over the years, because, you know, he, his his full sort of mantra is, that's what I'm there for, I'm there to make saves, and I think that's rubbed off in the fans, actually. I think the fans, certainly that's how I feel, 
I've never felt as comfortable with a goalkeeper in my life as I do with, with, with Alan McGregor and goal. I, I feel like when teams are clean through or, or shots are coming to the top bag, he's there to save them. And I don't think we've had many goalies, you know, maybe Gorham, maybe Kloss, a push. But McGregor for me is is just sublime, unbelievable. You know, 39 years old, still pulling off saves that beggars belief, really. And, you know, you, you've covered um, Rangers and, and been at games, you know, since the very start for him, you know, which would have been 2006, seven under Paul Le Guin. You know, so you'll you know more than most, having, having probably met him, interviewed him. The kind of character he is, and I think yeah. that personality's rubbed off. I think he's a he's more than deserving given his contribution. But you know, you you're maybe able to tell us a bit more about the man. I don't think any written interview that Alan McGregor's given has ever appeared as it was given. I think there's a there's a there is quite a bit of editing goes on simply because of. How can I put this best without incriminating him or myself? There are some, some, some phraseology that he uses that would leave a lot to be desired, and probably find you in a court of law if you ever used it in your newspaper. He he actually undersells himself uh, massively. You're you you're almost right, it's almost like the Presbyterian ethos that's what we're putting earth to do you know, you're put on here to work you no, know, enjoy yourself, and he comes across like that in some, some of the press conferences, that that's what I do so what, you know um, and then, then I'll, I'll basically tell you why he made the save not, not, the, not going to the mechanics of how he made the save but why he had to make that save because he was the doing his job, or that this guy was the here and all the rest of it and, and I think he is just he, he has certainly got better. Um, I mean, I was asked a question, you know, who do you think the best is? I still think it's probably maybe Gorham that edges it, simply because of his longevity right at the the the, the very top and what he had to do overcoming injuries and all the rest of it. But you have to say, McGregor's been outstanding. Personally, for me, and I'm not going to follow out with anybody, but I'm right, McGregor should be the player of the year because he has saved Rangers on occasions when, okay, they've had an outstanding season, but it might have been the difference between three points and only one point. And when it comes to that, you have to look at his overall contribution. And I think he's just been absolutely amazing. The the, the three goalkeepers, I I mean, Klaus was a terrific goalkeeper, but the three goalkeepers I would always put up right at the very top that I have seen and I have witnessed at, at Rangers would be, you know, in reverse order, or not in reverse order, but in, in, in sort of chronological order, going back the way, would be currently McGregor, before him, Gorham, and before that, Chris Woods. I think sometimes Chris Woods is overlooked simply because he made it look so absolutely easy, um, positional-wise, and even the saves he made. And, you know, there was somebody, and a couple of weeks ago when he made that save against, uh, or in Prague, it was like, I mean, like, isn't that the greatest save ever made? I still think the 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 one that he made against Werder Bremen was it Sanogo? He, he, he made the save from and put it on the crossbar. That is an absolute wonder save. That is the kind of save you make once in a lifetime for normal goalkeepers. McGregor's actually making probably one of them a season 
in his time at Rangers and just amazing. And you can see why, you know, if he gets an extra year deal or a two year deal, what a, what a, you know, what, what a, a signing he was to come back to Rangers. But it also it also shows you what Stephen Gerrard must have seen. Or, or somebody has told Stephen Gerrard and Stephen Gerrard has looked at it and I think you only get you he has put he's placed his trust in McGregor and Alan McGregor hasn't let him down Ross Stuart mentioned you know Alan McGregor coming back to the Angels and, and the impact he's made Stephen Davis what what can be said about Stephen Davis that hasn't already been said, especially this second half of the season? He, he is he has been magnificent. Yeah, he has. We we said it last time we were on as well that a bit of a slow start when he came back up the road, but has proved everyone wrong and fully deserves more time because he's um, he's been absolutely class. He really has this season. He's been he's been excellent. Still full of drive, full of energy. A very smart, intelligent player. He seems like a thoroughly nice guy as well. But he's obviously he's, he's been doing a fair bit of media through you know talking about the the, the um, equal and the British Cats record. He just seems like a nice guy, um, and I think he's he's probably also a very a very good presence to have for the younger players around the dressing. I mean, he, he he certainly knows what it means to play for the club. He knows what it means to win titles for the club, and I think. That was a, it. Was a very sort of shrewd move by by Gerard and his management team bringing McGregor and Davis back in um, because we didn't we didn't really have any winners in the squad. You think back to the um, the, the team that we had maybe under Warburton with your, your Martin Waghorns and your Joe Garners and you know okay decent enough players, but none of them were really winners. So so Gerard brings in people who know not don't just know how to win the league, know how to win the league with Rangers. And Davis, I think all season he's just been he's been superb. Um, and I think with sort of modern sports science that we have today, we don't need to necessarily worry about these guys ticking into their mid to late thirties in the same way that maybe we would have done ten or fifteen years ago. Um, I can't think of when Stephen Davis last had a significant injury that put him out for more than three weeks. The guy just seems to be immune to that. So um, he's he's been excellent. I would I would love to see him score a few more goals. That's not to say I'm criticising him for not scoring enough goals. I just I, I love to see him score goals and I love to see the guy happy. So um, he's he's had a wonderful season. He really has. It's interesting. You've still not nailed your colours to the mast here, but I'm going to nail my colours to the mast because I know I know Stuart said Alan McGregor. For me, Connor Goldson has been magnificent this season. I think he, you know, and it's probably one of those that is against popular opinion, but I I just can't see past him. I think he has been utterly dominant um, for us and I think he and McGregor but I think Goldson and his organisation at defence every game this season um, he's played with conceding nine goals in the league for me and I, I actually think he, he just looks um, like a player who is at the top of his game physically um, he, he's an absolute unit you know he's massive he looks like a rugby player and he his passing, his his ability to play out from the back, his pace, um, his leadership qualities, which we've seen come to the fore massively in the past couple of weeks. Um, I can't see past goals, and it's I sort of made up my mind in January. I just I just thought he'd been he'd been brilliant. I thought he he, he leads by example um, every game. And Stuart, 
I know you've said McGregor, but I mean a word for Goldson because he has been he has been truly just a warrior this season. Yeah, I was the, the one I would use would be probably awesome. Um, organisational wise, I think people sometimes, you know, Craig Brown had a famous saying. Um, his you know his head is like a magnet when it comes to getting the ball, and you would have to say that about Goldson sometimes. How many times have you seen balls get in and you, and you think to yourself? That's either going to end up in the net or, or, or somebody's going to get a knockdown and all of a sudden he comes in and makes the block or makes the challenge. He's the top of his game. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the interesting thing for me here is that, David, you've gone for Goldson, I've gone for McGregor and Ross has sort of opted slightly in the favour of, of Tavernier. And I don't think of the three of us, and I would say if it's the three of us, then you could actually cast your net a bit wider. I don't think anybody would suddenly be pointing a finger and saying, you don't know what you're talking about or you haven't got it right if any of those three guys was to win the Player of the Year award in any in any competition or in any category. That's how that's how good they've been for Rangers and that's how good they've been for their teammates as well. I think Goldson has been immense. I was trying to piece it together the other day there and think to myself, all the all the Rangers teams, the winning Rangers teams, they, they always had somebody, whether it was whether it was Goff or whether it was Amoruso, okay, there was guys that played beside them, but they were big dominant characters who, you know, who who were winners and who you would rely on to be a winner, either in, in their own penalty box or the opposition penalty box. And I think Goldson has has grown into that for a guy and also uh, again for a guy that's come through what he has come through just to make it as a footballer and give his all the way he does I think is a remarkable story yeah I, I think that's that's a really good point I mean I just googled it again to make sure I got the details right but February 2017 Connor Goldson had life-saving open heart surgery after a screening when he was at Brighton, found that he had an enlarged aorta. I mean, we've seen it on the pitch, but that guy is full of heart. Yeah. If, if, if Alex Anderson, made, if it's, Alex it's, Anderson made, he would be on the floor laughing. Right? <laughs> I mean, working on that all day. I know he would be. He'd be on the floor laughing at his own joke if he played that. So anyway, no, but I, I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right on that one. I, I, I think the guy. Sometimes in life, you have um, moments that changes you and changes your mindset, and you just wonder if that was such a moment for Connor Goldson because in effect he could have gone one of two ways. Either I could have curled up into a ball and said, football's not for me, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying life as it is, or you go the opposite way and you pitch your entire life and soul into being a footballer. And he has done that. And again, going back to the whole thing about who Rangers were signing, you know, I, I came across something I'd written about Philippe Senderos I mean God almighty it's like I still think I've got a book in me the, the you know the embarrassed the jersey a hundred hundred you know a hundred leg ends hyphenated of, of Rangers because you know in the last in the last you know maybe 20 years we'd pro probably managed to actually you know come up with a hundred names where you say how did he ever get a game but in, in terms of um you know, in terms of, of Connor Goldson and, and what he has done, whoever, whoever scouted him 
or whoever knew about him or whoever identified him and said, that is a guy you can build your team around, which in effect he do with your centre-back, deserves a gold watch because he has been a, an immense signing, especially when you see the catastrophic disasters maybe about three miles across the city. Yeah, we've still got a couple to go through in this play of the year thing. But I just no, we've, we've sorted it. I just want to apologise. Uh, just want to apologise <laughs> to the listeners for um, for Rossi's sense of humour. Rossi's sense of humour with that that full of heart joke. It doesn't represent Jersey as a brand. Um, and that was his own personal opinion of, of what is funny. So, um, but yeah, do you know what? I think I think we're getting to the stage now where we are sort of they're the top four. I think, and I think they are the only four. But Ross, honourable mentions for me. We'd have to go to Ryan Kent, who I think has been magnificent. I just love, you know, he's the sort of player for me you would pay money to go and watch every single week. And I think we all do. But this season he's been fantastic. And I thought, I just think every game, he, 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 never, he never shies away um, from the ball. Others, I think Glenn Kamara has been magnificent. I think he's been great alongside Stephen Davis. Barisic again, very rarely had a bad game this season. I think defensively has been magnificent actually, and it's not something you would you would normally associate with him. Um, and then Alfredo, who has to get an honourable mention because you know he he gives his heart and soul to this club at uh, all times, and he's he's actually you know instead of scoring twenty five goals in the first half of the season and none the second half this season, he's been all round a better player and also came up with big goals at big points uh, for us which has been great to see because it, it, you know in this first couple of seasons of the Gerrard you could potentially say outside of Europe you know in the, in the league games he wasn't always scoring against Celtic and he wasn't getting the last minute winners but he's done that time again this season so I mean we may have picked our, our well you haven't quite yet but maybe you can now but, but I've gone for Goldson Stewart's gone for McGregor you'll pick now, but I mean, there's, there's so many others that, that deserve a mention. Yeah, if I have to pick now, I'll, I'll, I'll take Tavernier. I think, um, I just think he's, he's led the club magnificently, but if, if we're on honourable mentions, firstly, off the park, I'd give a congratulations to Brandon Barker's barber for convincing us that that boy still has hair. Um, I think that the, the players that you've mentioned there, the Brian Kent, Glenn Kamara, Barisic and Alfredo, um, have been have been consistent. Well, they're they're good. They've had good seasons. Undoubtedly, the problem, the reason that they're not with the first four that we've mentioned, are that they haven't been consistent enough. Perhaps I mean that happens with wingers in particular. I mean, you, you could possibly mention Yanis Hadji as an honourable mention as well. Maybe he's a little bit more extreme in terms of his inconsistency. But you know, with a Ryan Kent, we know that he's not going to give us a nine out of ten every single game because that's not the game of a tricksy winger. Certainly not one that's going to get booted up and down the park every week. So um, Ryan Kent, I thought, against Celtic a couple of weeks ago, was fantastic. I thought he was, um, you know, clearly the danger man. I thought against um, the, uh, I've completely forgotten, Slavia, against uh, Slavia Prague, I thought he was excellent and was clearly targeted as the one that they needed to nullify. And they did that one way or another. Um He's had a very, very good season and um, it's just maybe the lack of consistency drifting in and out of games sometimes that, that means he's not being spoken of as, as a potential player of the season. Alfredo, we know about Alfredo. He goes through purple patches and then more, more lean periods, but he scored some incredibly important goals 
I mean, even even just the goal last weekend against Celtic to to, to equalise there and and preserve the unbeaten record. It's the season's done, so it's in a way it's meaningless, but it still felt like an incredibly important goal. Um, and again, I'm pleased to see because he's he's consistently scored 15 goals plus every season that he's been with us. His attitude's been superb this year. Um, we all know that he wants his move. It's never a surprise when the media does a, an article about talking how he wants to go to England. Everyone knows that. So, um, yeah, again, we've got a lot from him. Glenn Kamara is either excellent or makes silly mistakes, I think. Um, thankfully, more excellent than mistakes. Um, but again, very, very good season. Um, the one player we've not mentioned is Philip Hollander. And I think Philip Hollander has been a phenomenal find for us. Still not lost a league game for Rangers. Um, I can't think of any major howlers from him either that have cost us. I think he's um, he's not always had it his own way. He's had to be a little bit more patient than maybe he thought he would have had to be. And, and that's probably because we've also had good defenders along the way in the last two years, whether that's Katic, Evans and Balogun. We've had good centre-halves pushing him for a starting spot, but I think Holland has probably nailed that down now. Um, again, top international player who's, who's had a very, very good season. So, um, I think in any other year, those those players, your Kent, Kamara, Barisic, Halanda, Alfie, they'd all be in that consideration for player of the season. It's just that we're unbeaten. We've only conceded nine goals. Everyone's been consistently excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's good that we've all came to a, a consensus there. And we've got. I'll just give you. I'll give you one. Season. Yeah, one honourable one honourable mention who probably is is off the radar, and, and that would be Jermaine Defoe. Because I think the influence that he has in the dressing room, especially with some of the younger players, and showing showing the desire that he has to still compete at his age, but also what rubs off on other players by him telling them this is this is what you're you're going for, this is your aim, this is your target, this is where the glory is. Even just talking to them. Uh, at, at, be it training or in the dressing room or when they're having their lunch or whatever it is, I think if you if you listen to one or two people talking about his input, absolutely invaluable. It might actually be the same as what we were talking about with McGregor and Davis, but done in a different way. That he he's a guy who's who's been through the course, has played at the the very very highest level, you know. Um, as a as a as a league player at international level as well, and I think there are a great many have learned from from what he has done. Well, that is that is just magnificent from you, this Stuart. You've teed me up perfectly um, to bring in our uh, our partners' football prizes. Um, there's still forty tickets left to win a, a framed and signed Jermaine Defoe shot. Um, so for full details on that, uh, you can check Frankie's social media or visit www.footballprizes.co.uk. Fantastic prize and, and more to come in the weeks ahead. Um, guys, we, we've sort of looked at player of the season. We've all picked someone different. Uh, but I suppose <laughs> that, that's the absurdity of how many players are, are actually in the in the hunt. Um, so the other thing I want to touch on tonight, and, and we'll finish off with this, um, there was a fantastic article by by Rick Roberts on the on the Jersnet website regarding the the games of the season, the games that shaped the the season and the success that we've enjoyed. Um, now I've I've put together a, a list, but I think most of these were in were in his list as well. But these are these are sort of games that I felt I felt shaped um, 
shaped the, the league season for us. And I think I think <coughs> the first game of the season, and we'll go through these one by one. But Ross, I'll start with you. And you know, we look at big games and games that have helped us win the league, helped us you know build momentum. And I think for me, the the one 0 victory over Aberdeen in the first of August uh, was absolutely massive for us and I think the way we, that we went up there and dominated it could have been more than one but they never had a sniff um, in the game and I think that really that got the ball rolling Yeah, uh, always satisfying to win up there um, not that they are our rivals but um, yeah it's, it's just a, 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 a potentially tricky tie We've not always had it our own way up there. So to go there and, and win first day of the season, given that I think you would be forgiven if, if there had been a kind of a wee hangover of disappointment from the way that the previous campaign had ended. So, yeah, that was I think that was a really, really important game. Um, set, sets the tempo. And um, Ryan, 1-0, Ryan Kent goal. Alfie slips him through. He still has, what, 40, 50 yards to run. Slots it past the keeper nice and easy. Um, you're right. It was. It was never really a one 0 game, was it? We were. We were never troubled by them at all. So, um, yeah, I think I think that was a, a a very important game. Are you looking for me to give my own suggestion or just no, back and say no, that? I'm not interested in your suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say that I would say that game was a a real double edged sword because it set the tempo and set the mindset for Rangers this season. And I would say it also set Aberdeen's season off and running in a completely different direction, one that they didn't want. Because Rangers, in the past, they've managed to get results against Rangers by, you know, hooker by crook, they put in a performance from nowhere sometimes. On that particular day, Rangers went up there, Rangers dominated, Rangers got the result, and Aberdeen never were in the hunt again after that first game. And I, 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 I don't care what anybody says, that first game virtually ended their season before it even began. Yeah, and talking about ending seasons and, and causing uproar, the Celtic nil Rangers 2, Parkhead in October. Um, Stuart, that was... I think, I think the biggest things that came out of that game for me was, you know, Shane Duffy and his sort of performance the pictures of goals and celebrating, the way the goals went in, the way we just played them off the park really without even getting out second gear, that was a proper marker. And I think you saw in the weeks that followed how big a, a period that was from October to December. That one is the league, in my opinion. Uh, it was That was the effect. Uh, uh, that was a, in a heavyweight fight. You cannot understand how the other guy isn't performing because what you haven't seen is the body punch that one guy has actually whacked him with and taken all the wind out of their sails. Because suddenly Celtic are in that position where Rangers, and you're, you're buying on, Rangers played them off the pitch. But the other thing that put a, an absolute, you know, searchlight on was the deficiencies in that Celtic team. And there was no way at that point in the season... You know, and you know, again, by fair being a foul, Celtic managed to get their first old firm game of the season after ten matches, almost unheard of. So it was, you know, what's the chances of that happening? Well, 
probably pretty good if you've got the ear of somebody <laughs> SPFL. But the fact of the matter was they played that game when they should have been at their peak after 10 games and they were absolutely rattled. And I think that, again, as I go back to that Aberdeen game, I'll go back to that Celtic game, and I think you're absolutely right for putting it in there, David. Celtic never, never recovered from that because all of a sudden they just didn't just look a good team. They looked a team that Celtic weren't even on a par with. And that psychologically, that that 2 nothing victory, if Rangers, if Rangers had won that 6-0, I don't think it would have any more effect on Celtic this season than how how they managed to lose 2-0 because it was a it was a bad 2-0 defeat. Yeah, Ross, the next the next one that I, that I've listed and that this for me was the biggest win of our season, I think. Um in December against against Motherwell 3 1 at Ibrooks. It came off the back of a really, really disappointing night in, in St Mirren and Paisley against against them in the in the cup. And I, I was actually on the show the, the Sunday following that that three one game, and um, and my point that night was it was no surprise to me that, that the players that scored that day were two new signings and Roof and um, and Itton. I think Roof took the game with the scruff of the neck when I think the players that had been there last season, which was the majority of that starting lineup, would have been thinking, "Oh shit, here we go again." And I think if we dropped points that day, that could have been. A bit of a, a sticky, sticky wicket. We would find we would have found ourselves in sticky wicket. Um, it, I, no, you're right because I think so. That was the 19th of December. I've got the, the match report up in front of me here. You're still Evan. I know. Multitasking. Can you t- tell when my eyes go that way? I'm sort of typing away on something. Um, that was the time when we were all sort of thinking we were probably about nine points ahead of Celtic or something like that, but they might have the game in hand. Handbook too. So we, we had the, a little points gap, but they were starting to rack up games in hand. And I think that was around about the time that, the, that we all sort of went, well, if we can get to the end of this stretch of games, so we can get to the end of maybe end of the year, then it was the end of January unbeaten. We, were gonna, we, we could do this. So it was when we really started to think of this being a possibility of 55 coming this year. And... I know the the St Mirren game was, was depressing, and that was I think mainly down to team selection and complacency. So to then come off the back of that, um, they scored after six minutes. It was that, that ball across the face to Callum Lang. Um, that it started getting really really nervy because it almost had hallmarks of where we've been before. Strong start to the season, bit of a knock to the confidence, and it all falls away. And you're right, it's no surprise really that the three goals scored that the three goals came from from two players who have not gone through that heartbreak at Rangers before. Um Cedric Itton, we we've not actually spoken about Cedric Itton a huge amount over the course of this season on, on this show. Unsung um, hero. <laughs> I, well he's actually he's played a massive role for us. I mean that's that that goal put us um two one up. He's done the same again when he equalised against Motherwell a couple of weeks, a couple of months later. Um, scored for us, a, a, it was away at Lech Poznan, I think, in the Europa. He scored some important goals, scored a wonderful goal. I remember his first goal against Motherwell in, in the first game, that sort of half volley that he took. Um, good player, good player with a good future, I think, uh, at Rangers. Had it not been for Ruth and Morelos being in good form, I think he, he could feel a little bit hard done by. But 
that was a that was a big game for us to show. I don't like saying the word because it's a wee bit cliched, but character. That was when we started to see character, and that's when the, the Jazznet podcast we started talking a lot about. Um, uh, that, you know, if this was twelve months ago, we lost that game. Um, has there been a change in mentality? And that's probably one of the things that's got us over the line this year is the change in mentality. And that game, I think you're absolutely right, was, was very, very important to show up. It put me in mind of a game, going back to 92, when Rangers played Aberdeen and Roy Aitken scored for Aberdeen and Rangers were 1-0 down at half-time. The game when Andy Gorham famously set about Nigel Spackman in the dressing room and Rangers came out to centre-half, centre-half scored three goals. Now, Aberdeen were... Aberdeen were Rangers' biggest rivals that particular season and they put down a marker with a response. And whilst Motherwell were not Rangers' biggest rivals, I think the net effect was the same. They put down a marker as to how they would respond to adversity. Because I don't think it was a player in that Rangers team and probably a, 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 an individual within their coaching or management setup who didn't realise that they got it monumentally wrong at St Mirren and they had to make amends and they've made amends by absolutely wiping the floor with everybody else in the league. Yeah, and sure, you know, we'd look at, again, big games, and it was only a few weeks after that that Motherwell game, um, the the Celtic game at Ibrox, and, you know, we all went into that thinking, if we win today, um, we're in a really, really good position. And then the start of that game was such that we were all left at half-time thinking, Jesus, thank God, it's still nil now. Um, and you know you you picked Alan McGregor as as your as your player of the year, and and, and arguably that was his best game of the season. Uh, that save from Griffiths, you know, if that had gone in, who knows what could have mm. happened that day. But again, as Ross says, character was shown that day. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of a bit of metal. There's a bit of backbone to this team. And another thing is that when when if you go back the last couple of seasons, sometimes when things have gone gone badly for Rangers, their chest has been used to rest their chin upon. Their heads have gone down and they've, they've looked like a beaten team. Whereas this season, they have pumped the chest up. You know, they've, 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 they've looked like guys who have kept their heads up, watched what's happening and played themselves back into matches. That, that Celtic game as well was one where, uh, you know, you were beginning to hear how many games that Celtic had in hand or you were starting to calculate that and people were still calculating that as if Celtic were, were going to win. If you take that forward into January, you know, sort of time, or into February even, Celtic had four games in hand. That's, that's 12 points without actually realising that that Celtic team had never looked at any point in time if they could win four consecutive matches against anybody. And I, and I think the other thing was winning 1-0 at home, OK, there's no crowd there, there's nobody in attendance, but you have won your own patch and Celtic had to get a sniff. Only a couple of seasons after they were scoring goals for fun, against a Rangers team. And I think that as well was you can come here and the end result is just going to be the same as what it was at your place. We're going to beat you because that's how good we are. And, I, and I, 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 the, the, the effect of that on any opposition, it must really have been playing on the minds of Celtic players because at that point they would be then looking and saying, well, if we're not doing it, are we still going to have a job? Are they going to go out and sign guys in January? 
as it transpired, it wouldn't have mattered who they brought in in January either. That's how that's how dominant Rangers were by that time, and a and a really significant game and a really significant result. Yeah, and Ross. I mean, even after that that um, that game at Ibrox in January, I, I still hadn't accepted that we were going to win the league at that point. And then we got get to the end of January, we picked up a few results and we think dropped two points in those that run of really really difficult games. Still hadn't accepted it. And then the only time that I sort of relaxed a bit was um, after they lost to Ross County. We scored in the last minute against Livingston, and then that's a Mirren game. And I remember texting you during that game in, in the early stages and I think we'll just kind of trying to be the most who could be the most bitter sarcastic bastard as usual but um, during that conversation but you did say at the start of that game and I remember that we were on it today and that was just that performance that day was was unbelievable I mean that was as, as dominant and certainly I think it tailed off obviously you can't keep up that, that pressure for 90 minutes but that first 20 minutes was as good as I've seen us play and probably under Gerard and we got the just rewards and then it was it was sort of that that felt like the big moment. Yeah, that was that was the time that okay that it wasn't over the line because um you know Celtic still had to go and play Dundee United. Um but that was the point that it was it was done. It was absolutely done. It didn't really matter what was coming next, whether they lose the they don't beat Dundee United as, as it actually transpired, or if we go to Parkhead and lose, it'll happen at some point because of that result. Because Celtic will drop points because as, as Stuart said, there was no way they could piece together a, a winning run. Um that was a particularly enjoyable sort of 30, 45 minutes of football, I thought, because it's just the whole pressure uh, and the stress of the last 10 years just it just lifted one of my favourite goals of the season as well was the, uh, the Morelos goal which kind of running away from goal cuts it back and it does not, no power on that shot he just puts it in one place that Jack Annick can, uh, can't reach it so that was a it was a particularly enjoyable 45 minutes of football didn't need to keep up the pressure on them after that because it was done um, that was the game I think that the, the players then go and celebrate in the corner with the fans gathered outside that whole day felt special. I mean, I remember people texting me with photos outside Ibrox from 10 o'clock in the morning. It was a three o'clock kickoff and folk were gathered there. Um, it was a special day. You could tell that something's happening. All the videos coming out after the game as well, of the inside the changing rooms and people celebrating and enjoying it. It was um, That was a big day. That wasn't... That, that, we're talking about significant games. That wasn't a significant game in terms of the outcome of the season because it was already done before then. Um, but in terms of the history of the club, that was a, a hugely significant game. And Gerard said it after that press conference, after that game, he said there will probably never be a more significant three points that I manage at Rangers. Um, that was a huge game for our history. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean the, one, actually, the one word I would sorry, 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 associate with that, the one word I would associate with that, that game would be belief, because you'd honestly believe that Rangers were going to take the title. I think everybody believed it was, it was not... It was not mathematically done, but you just knew that those closest to you, namely Celtic, had absolutely nothing to come back with. And unless unless there was going to be kidnappings and your, your entire first team squad was going to go missing, there was no way you were not going to complete the season and, and win the title and, and within a, a very small window. It was it was there for the taking. In fact, it had probably already been taken. And I think that's why, you know, as both of you have alluded to, it was a day when 
you know, you, you sound as if you took a bit of convincing there, David, that it was actually going to happen. In fact, you probably still wake up tomorrow and say, did it really happen? But I, I think the, the, the fact is that at that point in time, you knew that it was that it was job done. Hence the reason why the, the, the players couldn't hold themselves in check um, and neither could obviously the fans. But it was a that was a day for me that you could believe that it was happening. And, and, and you're right, after a decade and a, a torturous decade at times, there was just a, a, a real relief that in terms of for Rangers players and Rangers fans, it was over with. Not a significant, not a significant win by any means, you know. But uh, 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 I, I think, and also maybe the manner to, to to sound like Walter Smith, the manner in which Rangers had performed that early on in that game was like we're taking this to the scruff of the net. We're going to win this game, and by God, we're going to enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah, I mean it's been a it's been a memorable season. I think it's been quite good actually tonight to take a wee bit of a take stock a wee bit and look at you know some of the players that have that have made it such a special season and, and the games that have been so important and and um in the season as a whole. That's all we've got time for tonight. We've gone through all of that in, in a nice nicely shaped hour. Um if you enjoy what we're doing here please please subscribe to the podcast uh like us on social media um previous previous episodes tonight's show available to listen all the usual platforms from Monday uh Spotify iTunes Stitcher Castbox and wherever else you get our uh, yeah, your podcasts. The show will return, I'm sure, uh, with a preview show for next week's game against Cove Rangers, which could be a could be a nice tasty tie. Um and obviously the, the flagship back next Sunday too. Um so thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks to Stuart and Ross and until next time, good night.